When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Well, hello and welcome in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We're live on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe and hit the bell notification to get notified whenever we have new content available to you. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Thanks for joining me on a Sunday night. And I am joined by co-host, Mr. Chase Thornton. Chase, how are we doing tonight, baby, in the bar? I love it. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, kids are in bed, uh, you know, and I got football on TV. I got, we got football ready to talk, so I'm I'm wearing to go. I'm happy. Happy to yeah. be here. I'm so glad to have you on. We're going to be able to kick this off. It's a recap show of all the Sunday action. We're going to talk about a little bit of Thursday night game as well. Uh, keep in mind, there are two Monday night games. So, yes, most of your stuff is not going to be you know determined yet because there's two Monday night games. Uh, we will have our waiver wire graphics rankings up on our Instagram pages at MDFF show, Facebook pages, and of course at belly up MDFF show when we go to X and TikTok and everywhere else. We're like threads TikTok. I gotta remember all of them. I need like a whole list of like we're we're everywhere. Use a follow and you'll get the nice fantasy football analysis to go ahead with it. Uh so today's show it's not like a typical recap show. I'm not going to go through every little player, every little thing with you guys. We're going to be kind of a quick hitting heroes and zeros, which essentially is our right and wrong calls that we made going into the week. And then a couple of maybe observational notes that we have that we think you need to take with you moving forward. The most important factors to take with you moving forward. Remember, you can always hit us up on social media when you need help for star set decisions and make sure you're tuning into our operation domination episodes on Wednesday nights at nine. 30 p.m. here on our YouTube channel. So, Chase, you know, I don't even want to waste any time, man. There's so much action we got to cover. So let's go ahead and just get into our first matchup. We'll talk about our heroes and zeros of the Thursday. Heroes and zeros. Let's get it right into it, man. So, Chase, you want to go first? What was your first zero of that Thursday night game? The zero of the Thursday night game for me, I mean, it had to be, it had to be Madison, had to be Alexander Madison. I'm just not, I, I, I had to, I relying on him in a couple of different leagues to be my RB2, and he's not giving you even RB2 production right now. I'm not thrilled with how Alexander Madison has, has performed. He did not perform up to snuff the other night. Um, shouldn't be a surprise if anybody was paying attention to him through his life, uh, that he was a great fill-in based on volume for Dalvin Cook, but having to carry the load by himself right now. He's never been an efficient back. He's still not an efficient back, but definitely not getting what we wanted out of him for the first two weeks, two weeks and especially Thursday night. Yeah, it was a tough with the offensive line, a tough match against the Philadelphia Eagles. Better matches will be ahead, but it just shows you he's not the special back that Dalvin Cook once was, but is not now. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, come up later. 
My, my zero, of course, had to be A.J. Brown. He fell well under that 73.5 receiving yards, although was one non-play action, uh, play interference call away from having that happen. We had a little bomb at the end of the game, was having words with Jalen Hurts, why you're not getting me the ball. I always like that when we're talking about our wide receivers. But A.J. Brown fell short for me. I had him rank six. Better days, of course, are ahead, but this is part of the Philadelphia Eagles. They don't look particularly sharp to start off the season, especially in the passing game. And we know that Devontae Smith and or Dallas Goddard can be involved in any given moment. Uh, that's the only zero I had for that game. Do you have another one or no? No, I mean, I, I, I wasn't overly you know disappointed with anything outside of, yeah, you're hoping for, for wide receiver one production here out of AJ Brown. You're hoping for starting running back production, at least out of, out of Alexander Madison. We didn't get either out of either one of them. Otherwise, I mean, you, you actually, there was a lot of production coming out of this game on both sides of the football. Yeah, totally agree. Let's switch this over. Let's go to our heroes. Who was our heroes for the Thursday night action? And mine had to be Kirk Cousins hitting the <laughs> over. I was ahead of the ECR. I had him at QB 13. Not quite my starting lineup, but I was still well ahead of ECR. I had him at QB 19. I had him on the over of 264 and a half passing yards, and I hit on all of that. So Kirk Cousins definitely was one of my heroes of Thursday night. You have one, Chase. Uh, hey, I mean, how can you not talk about DeAndre Swift and the job that he did? Um, this is what we've always hoped to see out of DeAndre Swift, but we've never been able to get out of DeAndre Swift because of his usage patterns and how uh, you know how they pull him off the field every time he touched the football, seemed like in Detroit. Um, but we finally got to see him in a future role, running and receiving. I mean, he didn't get the bulk of these from his from his receiving game that we all kind of figured would be his role coming in. Um, you know, we got we got a big game out of him running the football on the ground. And I think that that, uh, I would like to think that that bodes well for the future, but I've played fantasy football and seen fantasy football long enough that I don't want to put all my eggs in that basket because I'm afraid to get my heart broken next week. If I uh, rely too heavily on Deandre Swift, but he'd be a hero for me. Yeah, he absolutely was in that game, but you're absolutely right. When Kenneth Gainwell comes back, don't get sideswiped into thinking that all of a sudden DeAndre Swift automatically takes over his backfield. He probably should. He's the most talented back. There's absolutely no question about it. But this team loved Kenneth Gainwell for a reason. He would have had a big role had he not had the rib injury. I do think Kenneth Gainwell is going to come back here for a little bit. Uh, I do want to cut the music a little bit so we can go into our observational notes to take with us. We've kind of touched on both of mine, main one being Gainwell is still going to be part of this rotation Rashad Penny if you have them you can go ahead prepare to be flushed the guy only got on the field when Boston Scott had his concussion issue that was it so you can go ahead and move on from any hopes of Rashad Penny being anything for this Philadelphia Eagle team my other note is just saying stay the course on Alexander Madison you can't sell him for anything you'd be pennies on the dollar you don't want to sell the guy off he's still getting all the volume all the work better matchups will be ahead and he's still a decent contributor in the passing game so those are my two observational notes going into that game what are yours uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. You, you know, like you said, you're going to get pennies for Madison right now. My only note on Penny, speaking of pennies, is with the injury concerns in the backfield right now, and we know that DeAndre Swift gets hurt too. If for some reason you have Penny on your roster, I don't know why you maybe you know maybe you got excited about him in the preseason, you draft him, whatever. 
don't I would I would maybe hold for one more week just in case things go south in this backfield from a from an injury standpoint. Somebody would have to run the football. Somebody would have to get the carries there. It's still the Eagles offense. They're gonna find their way. I'm I'm probably holding a week on Penny, but yeah, prepare to be flushed. I would say is uh, is definitely the the boat that he's in right now. <laughs> All right, let's get into our Green Bay Packers and Atlanta Falcons. Heroes match. and zeros. Okay, so let's talk about those zeros in this game. I'll go first. I have to own Kyle Pitts. I knew I probably shouldn't have put him in the top 12. I did it anyway because of the talent. And you know what? At this point forward, I don't care about the talent unless the matchup is screaming play your tight end. Kyle Pitts is no longer a start for me. And if you spent draft capital on him, I would be doing anything to salvage the situation in hopes that his player value will be enough for me to get something decent back in return because I am not a part of this Atlanta Falcons pass attack. Even though it was better today, it was still abysmal for upside for these guys. What's yours? Well, they're, well, their top two guys actually caught the ball today, which is nice. They actually got balls thrown to them and caught them. But yeah, with Pitts, there is other production out there from the, from the tight end position that's comparable for way cheap. You can get it off the waiver wire right now. Go find one of those guys, plug him in, hope that Pitts catches a touchdown and ship his ass out of there to somebody who will bite on the bait for you. Uh, my zero for the day, unfortunately, I love the guy. Romeo Dubs really didn't do a whole hell of a lot today, though. Um, sh- I would have thought he'd have been more involved, and I think they tried to get him more involved. They did miss a wide open. It, it, they highlighted it on the on the broadcast, a wide open shot to him that uh, that Love just didn't see. But, uh, yeah, yeah, only two, two catches on three targets. Um, should get more targets than that weekly. I believe he will be more involved if Christian, when Christian Watson gets back, he's, he's too talented uh, to not get receptions, but uh, definitely did not give you the, the production you were hoping for today. That came from elsewhere on the roster. So yeah, he still was getting, he still wasn't getting a full plethora of snaps. He's, I don't think he's 100% back yet. I think that's part of it. But he was also a zero call for me. He had him still has a top 36 wide receiver. I felt like he kind of needed to be at least in your flex play without Christian Watson available, oh, yeah. without Aaron Jones available against the Atlanta Falcons. And that just was not the case. And it's not that we were pumping him up too much from his two-touchdown performance. We knew the usage wasn't necessarily there. But another weekend, thought he had more of a snap count. Clearly, he's not quite there yet. So that was a zero call for me. Let's go ahead and switch this back over to heroes, though. Our right calls of the week. Bijan Robinson is a special, special dude. I had him ranked inside the top three. Doesn't score, but does literally everything else. 124 yards on the ground, five targets, four receptions, 48 yards. And this time, he played ahead of Tyler Algier. And that's what we know was going to be happening sooner rather than later. So, Bijan Robinson, you're my hero this week. How about you, Chase? Jaden Reed, the rookie wide receiver for the Packers, not just because I'm a Packer fan, but that bodes well for their future. They were hoping when they drafted him, we were they were hoping that he could be that that special like third option, that that third wide receiver on the field. And uh, I'll tell you what, he stepped up today, had a couple of scores. Uh, I know they both were technically receiving scores, but that that first one was kind of a more like a jet sweep, and it was a pass only because Love flicked the ball forward to him. Um, but he lo- he looks good. He looks quick. He looks uh, like the big, the game's not too big for him, not too fast for him. He's getting open. He's running routes well. Um, 
and I think he he's showing that he could be a very fun complimentary piece to that pass game. Uh, if and when this team can get Watson back on the field between Watson, Dobbs, Reed in the slot, uh, Dontavian Wicks showed some things today. Luke Musgrave has looked good in limited looks uh, that they've given him. This could be a sneaky, fun pass offense to watch, even as quick as this year, not just, uh, you know, in years to come. But uh, yeah, definitely Jaden Reed today was a hero of that game. Yeah, 100%. I'll just be curious to see what happens when they go, uh, how often will they go 11 personnel when they have everybody mm-hmm. back in the mix? That would be the curious thing here. Right. So let's talk about our observational lo- notes a little bit. Uh, one thing I'm putting out there, and I've been kind of harping on this for a while, and I feel like this game confirms it even further, is A.J. Dillon's not good at football. 3.7 yards per carry, looked slow again, couldn't get as involved in the pass game, even without Aaron Jones back there. It just I felt like he just left a lot on the table for a guy who had a chance to really establish himself as being one of the up-and-coming backs. Look, they're still looking for somebody to replace Aaron Jones at some point. You would like to think that would be A.J. Dillon. I don't think that's going to be the case. So for me, A.J. Dillon is somebody that I'm treating him now moving forward as a handcuff, not as somebody who will be back in my top 36 again. No, definitely. it It was unfortunate, too, because he was in a spotlight today. Aaron Jones trending towards not playing all week. A.J. Dillon was a popular ad in a lot of places, a popular uh, last-minute start type thing in a lot of areas. And you were hoping, I mean, yeah, hey, he's going to get the run. He's going to get the volume. And he just did not look as efficient as he wanted him to. He looked better than last week, but that's not saying a whole lot. He didn't have to do anything to uh, to look better than last week. So definitely A.J. Dillon going forward is much less of a flex play or and much less of a, of a lineup lock than, like you just said, a handcuff. Uh, and in that, if, if that's the case, then the, the Packers are going to be hurting as well. They may not try and run the ball as much if they have. <laughs> and then we got Nikki Cunningham uh, messaging oh, yeah. and she pretty much agrees. Yes, I understand. I understand your pain, Nikki. I do. Uh, what's your observational note for this game? Um, well, for one, hey, we talked about it a little bit this morning on the Buffalo on the Belly of Fantasy Live show. Um, listen, Jordan Love can be a thing in fantasy. He's got two weeks now. And I, we don't want to overreact. We don't want to jump off the off the bridge quite yet with him. Two weeks in a row now where he's thrown three touchdowns. He's protecting the ball well. He's running the ball well. He had a great run today. One great run today. He had a couple of other smart, savvy runs today. Um, he might be the kind of thing where if you have him as your as your quarterback two, uh, and your quarterback one was somebody you waited on a while, maybe maybe you've got Love and say Watson, or you've got or someone else who maybe you know in two, three weeks or isn't performing Justin Fields through two weeks, maybe um, Jordan love might be a guy that you may be able to, you know, hang on to and use as a starter and possibly use that bigger name that you have at quarterback to upgrade the roster elsewhere. Jordan loves by week. The Packers by week is in week six, and then you'd be done for the week. You wouldn't need a second quarterback for the rest of the season. The only reason to hang, have two hand, two, quarterbacks in the first place for most people is to cover the bye week. Um, she's asking right now, is he a good option if Burroughs misses time? I think he is. I yeah. think, I think he definitely is. Yeah, he's a streaming option, but he's one of several, I guess, in my opinion. We'll be going through that as we go through today's show. Uh, as far as Burrow missing time, Nikki, if you want to believe what Zach Taylor had to say, which is if they needed to come back on the field, Burrow was going to come back out onto the field. I don't get the vibe that they're anticipating Burrow is going to be missing time, but obviously we'll have to wait and see how this week plays out for that. I just want to mention one other note. Drake London, at the very least after this game, can be mentioned as a wide receiver three again. 
getting the targets, getting back into the end zone. Desmond Ritter showing he's okay. I am willing to go back to Drake London, but he's the only one. Again, I'm, I'm harping on this Kyle Pitts thing. I'm staying away from him. He only played two more snaps than Janu Smith, and he wasn't out there in eleven personnel. It was Janu Smith. Janu Smith was the one that was getting. He was getting all. He was getting all the looks. Exactly. He had a couple of very very nice plays today, which makes like, this makes this even more disgusting. And Arthur Smith just showing you more and more. He does not know how to use multiple special talented weapons. So that's, that's my problem there. Let's move on to our next matchup though, with our heroes Heroes and zeros. Okay. So our zero for this game, at least for me, had to be Josh Jacobs in the Raiders and Buffalo bills game. Nine carries for negative two yards chase you and me sitting on our couch had more rushing yards than josh jacobs did this past week did have six targets for five catches and 51 yards so something in the positive zone it has not looked good for josh jacobs over these past two weeks this offensive line looks completely and utterly horrendous it was two tough matchups in a row better days are certainly ahead but for a guy i ranked in the top 10 bad on me i'm sorry for that who's your zero for this game no i hey i'm on that bandwagon as well listen uh for to put it in context for all of you people if i had stood on the go on the on the line of scrimmage and fallen backwards i still would have gained more yards than josh jacobs i'm five five so i i don't know what the hell was going on with them today other than to say josh jacobs is still in preseason the holdout and 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 missing all of the time in the preseason Josh Jacobs himself physically is still in the preseason. And he said he's still shaking the rust off. But, dude, you've got to get the rust off now. Yes, Mayer finally did get an NFL grab. Should have gotten a couple more. But yes. Yeah, nice should have. Michael Mayer, by the way, is somebody I'm going to be keeping my eye on on the waiver wire as the season progresses yes. and love him in Dynasty. I've talked about him in the past. Uh, yeah, that comment, by the way, coming in from Nikki Cunningham, for those of you listening on the podcast. Let's switch over. That was my only zero. So let's switch over to our heroes here. My hero for this game is Gabe Davis having a strong game. Confidently put him inside my top 30 right before the kickoffs today. Seven targets, six catches, 92 yards, and a touchdown. Just going to show you that, one, he's healthy, and two, when you have a plus matchup, Gabe Davis is somebody you can turn to when you need a big week out of somebody. Who's your hero for this game? I don't know if it was necessarily a heroic performance, but I like seeing Damian Harris in there getting seven carries for 33 yards and scoring a touchdown. We thought he would be, he would have more of a role. He didn't show a whole hell of a lot last week. We were afraid that maybe Latavius Murray was going to come in and usurp that. Murray got a little bit of his own today too, but uh, I, I like the idea of Damian Harris being in there. I mean, he was a good back when he played last season in, in New England. I was excited to see him in Buffalo as a compliment to James Cook to do some of the things that we didn't think maybe James Cook would do. Uh, Latavius Murray is not getting any younger. And, uh, I, I, I really liked seeing that out of Damian Harris. It's not enough for me to like run out at him or throw him in lineups or anything like that, but it does at least put him back on the fantasy radar and prove that, uh, reports of his demise were greatly exaggerated. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm actually going to cut the music on that because that actually goes right into my observation of the game, which is talking about James Cook. So Cook goes over 100 yards. Fantastic. Looks great. I know. Pro game script the entire way. Latavius Murray still had the second most snaps out of the running backs. Still played in all the two-minute drills. Most of the third down and longs. Damian Harris and Latavius Murray, uh, Latavius Murray shared once they got inside the goal line. So James Cook, just like I feared, continues to shape up a lot like a Miles Sanders 
Sanders to me. And not from last year, from, from earlier in his career, where he gets working between the 20s, but not when you want on third downs in the passing attack and not when you need it for touchdowns inside the red zone. So when I look at James Cook right now, I'm seeing a sell candidate that you want to go ahead and <laughs> get so many drops playing at once. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at a sell candidate right now at a James Cook because he had the big game this past week. Go ahead and sell him and get out while you can because he had the 100 yard performance. Because I don't like the way his usage is going for a long term fantasy effect. No, they haven't used him as the, they haven't necessarily used him as that passing back that we thought they, that they could. Uh, and yet, it, like you said, for him being the starting running back, his red zone usage is, is lacking. They do like Damian Harris. They somehow still do like Latavius Murray in there. Um, and they've always, there's always the threat of Josh Allen inside the red zone from a running standpoint. Um, they actually threw the ball to Dawson Knox in the red zone, which is what they should be doing with Dawson Knox today. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I agree that I'm, I'm a little worried if I'm a James cook owner and I am in several leagues, a couple of, but when you've got 800 different teams, you're going to have everybody at some point. Um, I, I, I am a little bit concerned about that, but you know, again, you, you, this may be your best opportunity to sell him, but what can you get for him? That's going to be commensurate value from where you had to take him and drafted him and, and to update upgrade oh, no. your life. I think you can get a good amount of value for it. Cause remember chase, this is a guy who's being drafted as really an RB three. People are excited about him. The people other than us, they've been making the opposite argument that we're making right now, which is James cook looked great. His uses was awesome. This is all. And this, and they, they're pushing James cook right now as like, Oh, they're loving what they see. I'm not loving what I see, which is why I'm saying, I think people, People out there right now would give you a legitimate high-end RB2 asset, wide receiver two asset, depending upon what you need for a guy like James Cook, because if that you, is the narrative if, right now. If you can get a wide receiver two out of him, especially after this week, yeah, well, I'd, I'd jump on that. Some of it depends on where the rest of your running back room is at. I hope you didn't have to draft him. As Nikki says, relying on him to be an RB2. Um, hey, I'm in the same boat, like I said, in, a, in one or two leagues. But if the rest of my room can't absorb the hit to, to subtract a running back like that, then you know, I don't know if I can go ahead and make the move. If you can get somebody to throw you something high end for him though, like that, like you, like you said, a, a good wide receiver too. Oh yeah. I jump on it. Figure the rest of the room out later. Yeah. Uh, do you have another note for this game or no? Uh, watch the injury reports this week. Really with, uh, with Jacoby Myers in concussion protocol and missing the game. And then Devonte Adams entering pro concussion protocols at the end of the game. And after the game, really watch that because if we, uh, if we are, Without Adams and uh, Jacoby Myers, the cupboard is a little bare behind them. I, I I know Hunter Renfro was a top 12 wide receiver two years ago, but that was two years ago. That's not the way they're using him. That's not necessarily who he is. DeAndre Carter is uh, 30 years old and has been tossed around a couple different teams for a reason. Um, Michael Mayer, if it was ever going to happen, if they both missed next week would be the week it would have to happen because they're going to need somebody in that in that receiving core. Nikki, if you want us to look at your team, go ahead and shout it out over to us real quick, and we'll, we'll take a quick look at it, whatever questions you may have. Let's get into our next matchup here for our heroes. Heroes and zeros. Zero, All right, we got the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals up now, so let's talk about our zeros for this game. It had to be Jamar Chase for me. You could say Joe Burrow, too, if you wanted to. But eight targets, five catches, 31 yards, and a matchup he normally dominates with a secondary that was banged up. Obviously, better days are ahead. But it's two weeks in a row now where people are getting frustrated, and people tend to overreact. So I do want to mention Jamar Chase to be somebody that maybe 
maybe you can buy a little bit low on right now because it's been two weeks and sometimes people get itchy trigger fingers but yeah definitely had to be a zero for me how about you chase uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the other guy that you mentioned, the guy that was supposed to be throwing in the ball today, Joe Burrow. Uh, just two weeks in a row now, we have not seen anywhere near top five quarterback uh, production as he was drafted. I have him as my starter on several teams, including on my uh, keeper team, my dynasty or my uh, auction keeper league. Uh, I you know was hoping for a lot more out of him. Now I know he had the banged up calf and he missed time in preseason too, so he's basically in his preseason. Uh, he did bang that calf up again, again, like we said. Had they had to come back on the field, he probably would have come back on, but still something to watch for uh, if he is aggravating that thing. If that's going to be a lingering issue and if it's going to affect the way that he plays this season, uh, we may not end up getting the top five quarterback out of him. He's still too talented. I'm not panicking on him. I'm not, I'm not jumping ship on him, but he was definitely a zero this week for me, uh, not helping me win at all. Well, yeah, and not to raise any alarm bells. Remember, when it comes no, to calf issues, they can they can linger to Achilles issues sometimes. So, let's just keep an eye on that. We not literally to raise, just saw that. Yeah, like not not to raise any alarm bells, but that is something that we have seen happen here in the past. Okay, let's talk about our heroes a little bit. Get a little more perked up here. So here's what we got for my heroes. That was T. Higgins, in spite of the fact that Joe Burrow was not having a great game, in spite of the fact that Jamar Chase was not having a great game, T. Higgins bounced back after his zero-dud performance, came back with 12 targets, 8 catches, and 89 yards, and 2 touchdowns. Also, given the fact that I still ranked him confidently inside my top 15 at the wide receiver position, I was particularly happy with T. Higgins. Who is your hero in this game? Uh, again, not necessarily overly heroic, but Gus Edwards here averaging 6.2 yards of carry scoring a touchdown. Uh, he's, he's the more efficient running back. He's the better running back of the two options in the backfield there between him and justice Hill. Again, justice Hill saw literally all the targets there. Um, but we knew that we knew Gus Edwards was not going to catch the ball at all. The thing about Gus Edwards, again, this 6.2 yards per carry is not necessarily out of character for him. He is like J.K. Dobbins has been in his career, a very efficient and very good yards per carry running back. Todd Monk in offense, they, they're changing things up. It's not necessarily always going to be Lamar. Lamar had a good game. He gave you a Lamar game today, which is nice. But, uh, but seeing Gus Edwards step forward and be the running back of the two, uh, I think was very encouraging uh, going forward. I think that you can, I think he should be rostered. Hill should be probably rostered too, just in case. But I think of the two, I would rather have Edwards on my bench right now as, as a depth piece, as a flex or, or bi-week play. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to lower here and go to the observational note, because I totally agree with you. That's exactly what I had in my observation note. That there is mini backfield. Melvin Gordon's not part of that. So that's good news. It is a two man rotation. They tried to come out the gate with justice Hill, but as you said, Gus Edwards proved that he's the more efficient back. I would not be surprised if Gus Edwards starts to take more of a lead mm -hmm. as far well as the ball carrier goes. And there's a couple times where there's like a third short. They had a goal line situation. They go to justice Hill. He doesn't get the job done. Gus Edwards does. He's a boss for a reason i right. do think that is going to start shifting as the season wears on so gus edwards is somebody who i think will be more fantasy relevant than justice hill will be moving forward and he's I, not he's not going to have zero targets this season if he if he no. is the starting running back they will throw to him occasionally and all he has to do is show he can catch it a couple times to really put that thought into defense's heads yeah and i look and i 
I do think Justice Hill will still have most of that role. But oh, yeah, I do too. I do too. I, I'm with you. Like a few catches here and there, Gus Edwards is definitely possible. So Nikki's giving us our team, her team here. And she's got a really she got a really good team with you know Joe. This is Dynasty League, Joe Burrow and Mac Jones there at the quarterback positions, AJ Brown, Amon Ra, Zay Flowers. Oh, she got Bijan too with James Cook and Hawkinson and not with Najee and Puka. And no. I just need to like I need to find like an awesome like an awesome like uh, round of applause or something right. for her. This is absolutely, uh, absolutely fancy. Here, I'll give you a trending. How, how about trending up? How about that? You're trending way yeah. up there, Nikki. Good job. Hey, uh, Nikki, you, Nikki, you do not need James Cook to be a running back too. You've already no, got you Najee on your on your bench. You yeah, got Pacheco on your bench. You're you're fine. Got Kamar you coming that. back. Yeah. So, yeah. You're you're you don't have Robinson. to don't 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 sweat it. Don't sweat it too much. So not super flex. I'll be dumping Mac Jones. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know the size of your league or anything like that. So maybe that's a fine move. But in the dynasty league in particular, I kind of like having a Mac Jones to back up a Joe Burrow. That is that is don't, a set up yeah. A don't league. yeah. Don't drop Mac yet until you find out more about this Burrow injury and hang on to that for a little bit. Your your assets are not garbage on on the bench. You actually have some pretty good assets. I think you're selling yourself <laughs> yeah. there a little bit short there, Nikki. Give it give it a little more time, I, especially with the whole Joe Burrow thing. Like, hold on to Mac Jones. Like, let's let's see what's going on here uh, before you start making any moves like that. Okay, so let's get back to what we were talking about here, and let's move into our next matchup of heroes and zeros. Heroes and zeros. All right, let's talk about our zeros for the short. And Seattle game. That's gonna be Jameer Gibbs. Now, <laughs> I've talked about how David Montgomery was high on my list, but Jameer Gibbs still wound up being inside my top 15. Seven carries for 17 yards is not quite gonna get it done. But now we saw David Montgomery get an injury. So maybe moving forward, they will be. What's your zero? To be honest with you, yeah, that's about the only zero I take away from this game. To be dead honest with you, I thought everybody else was put forward a, a pretty decent, solid performance. Um, you know, DK Metcalf had the little injury situation, but then he came back in. He was fine. Um, didn't score you a touchdown, but didn't need to. He still got you. He still got you double digit fantasy points on the day. Um, Zach Charbonnet, I don't think we were expecting anything out of after last last week. So even though he didn't give you a whole hell of a lot today. Can you really call that a zero if you weren't expecting it? I mean, anything he gave you was better than what you were expecting. Yeah, 100%. We, we, we saw last week that Kenneth Walker is the bell cow back there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm with you. It's it's not uh, that's that's not quite really the issue here at the moment. So let's switch over to our heroes of this matchup. <clears throat> Josh Reynolds, baby. <clears throat> Can't get the frog out of my throat all of a sudden, but six targets, five catches, 66 yards. And two touchdowns. Had him my DFS teams, paid off for me big time there. Had him 40 oh, yeah. spots, 40 spots ahead of ECR in this matchup. They had him down at 82. I'm at wide receiver 46, somebody I wanted you to play in your flex. And that panned out beautifully with Josh Reynolds here. What was the one of your heroes for this game? You know, Tyler Lockett, he's the, he's the game winner. He's the guy that came out ahead of everything on this one with a couple of scores. Uh, eight catches on 10 targets, led the team in targets there. Um, you know, I think he's, I think he, he may or may not have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder with all the Jackson Smith and Jigba talk here. Uh, but Tyler Lockett is not going anywhere. He's not, uh, and he showed up in a big way today with two scores, including the game winner at the end there, uh, in overtime to, uh, to take down the Detroit lions and, and really bring this Seattle team kind of, you know, back from the brink. If they started 0 two, it was not going to be pretty, uh, in that division, but 
they are now one and one and they can move on and, and feel good about themselves. So I, you know, I'd go with Tyler Lockett for them. Yeah, he was my second hero for this game as well. Just showing you last week, even though he had only one catch and 10 yards, he can bounce back with the best of them. Still very much part of this offense. And we got to wait to see what the DK Metcalf injury is all about, too, because I was also part of this in this game. Keep your eye on his, his ribs for this one. So now I'm going to turn down the music a little bit here so we can talk about our observational notes of this game. Um, my number one kind of going hand in hand with my hero here is that Josh Reynolds needs to be somebody who's at least considered in your flex until Jamison Williams comes back from his suspension, meaning he needs to be rostered. So he's going to probably be a top or at least one of the top guys I'm going after my wide receiver waiver wire rankings heading into this week, but he needs to be rostered. He's very much a part of this offense secondary to Amon Ross St. Brown. And again, until Jamison Williams come back, he's not target share is not going anywhere. No. Definitely, definitely not. We said, we said the other night on the preview show, he was going to be a DFA. He was going to be money in DFS. And he was, he didn't cost you a lot of money, at least this week. And, uh, and he returned big time for you. I had, I had him on several slots as well in my DFS rosters. And I couldn't have been happier with the return on that. Uh, keep an eye on that. Keep using him as such. Um, I don't, you don't want to go out and pay a bunch for him in, in a redraft league, but keep using him in DFS uh, because, yeah, he's not he's not going anywhere because he can't go anywhere. They have to throw the. Oh, sorry about that. We had, we did have some breaking news to come in real quick. Saquon Barkley's uh, ankle injury came back negative as far as the X-rays are concerned. His MRI is going to be first thing tomorrow morning to figure out the severity of the right ankle sprain. Uh, Chase, you can go ahead and continue. Nope, that's no, no. I that's what that's it. I was done. Now I'm okay. shocked about Saquon. So yeah, no. You know, it's a Thursday night game. You're not going to have Saquon this no. week. Just, just, so just know that already ahead of time. We go into your waiver wire situation. And we do not want anybody else against San Francisco for you guys. So, you know, no, because let, let that ride. It's, it's Matt Breida is going to be, you know, I guess the quote-unquote handcuff. You might be in the, a timeshare with Gary Brightwell. Uh, maybe we can see a little bit of the rookie Eric Gray in there. But, frankly, I, I know Kyron Williams just had a nice two-touchdown performance this past week against San Francisco. It's not something I'm counting on with any of these guys. Remember, Kyron Williams had all the work. We're going to get to that game soon. Plus, but Plus, that New York Giants offensive line is an absolute and complete total mess right now. They just yeah. lost Ben Bredesen, who had been – in and out and in and out lost him to a concussion today. He may not be available then. Uh, yeah, I I'm staying away from that backfield for Thursday night. Yeah, I, I, I would as well. So let's, let's stay away from that game altogether. Uh, let's get back to what we were talking about here though. <laughs> yes, my, my other observational notes that I have is Kenneth Walker continues to dominate. Like we, we were worried about Zach Charbonnet. You mentioned a little bit before it's just clear that until something changes, that Kenneth Walker is just going to dominate that backfield, plain and simple. Right. No, and and it it doesn't matter what we want or what we think they should have done because they drafted Zach Charbonnet. Listen, they've got Walker. They're using Walker, and it's going well right now. They haven't been – I mean, we were frustrated last week with the whole DJ Dallas, like, existence thing. That kind of went out the floor, out the door this week. It's It's the Kenneth Walker show, and until and unless something happens to him, Everybody else in that backfield is just kind of, you know, a wait and see. I, 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 I did not like Kenneth Walker as much coming into the year. After the first two weeks, I am coming around on him. 
Yeah, well, especially a two-touchdown performance will help you do that. Richard Hernandez, what's going on, Rich? Thanks for coming to him back into the show, one of our regulars here. He still has his flex to go. He wants to know who to play. It's a standard league. Should he play Jerome Ford on the Cleveland Browns, or should he play Michael Thomas this week? It's actually a little tough. I am going to say Michael Thomas, though. Remember, while Jerome Ford, his stat line at the end of last week looked decent, it was because the Browns had that game well in hand. It was also because of the weather of that game. He didn't start getting his touches until late in the third quarter, fourth quarter territory. While the Steelers had a rough outing against the San Francisco 49ers, you have to hope again for a pro game script. Mm -hmm. Michael Thomas still played well ahead. Everybody's making a big deal about Rashid Shahid. He played well ahead of Rashid Shahid in this one. So I'm going to take the role that I know for sure is going to be involved in the game, no matter what the game script is. And I'm going to go with Michael Thomas in this one, even with it being a standard league. Chase, Well, you you, you said standard league. Ford, I mean, Ford's going to, he's playing behind Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is going to be the one to take most of the rushing attack on that. So you're looking at now, how many catches can Jerome Ford do anything with? Because he's not guaranteed a ton of touches. And how many catches is Michael Thomas going to be working with? Michael Thomas is going to do more with however many, if, if they get, if they both get five catches, who do you think does more with five catches? Michael Thomas or Jerome Ford? I'm going Michael Thomas all the way on that. And I like Jerome Ford coming into the season. I still like him, but Michael Thomas all the way on that. And I yeah, honestly I, I, don't think it's close. I, I agree. Let's get to our heroes and zeros for our Heroes and zeros. Zero heroes. It's the Chargers and the Tennessee Titans, and let's talk about our zeros first for this game. So my zero has to be Joshua Kelly, 13 carries, 39 yards, one target, zero receptions. We got a little bit excited last week when we thought that, you know what, without Austin Eckler, Joshua Kelly looked pretty good. Maybe Kellen Moore, as the offensive coordinator, could find a way to unlock him and be something. And we gave him that chance. I put him inside my top 24 once the Eckler news was official and he burned us and showed us that like, nope, I'm still just Joshua Kelly. I am still just a dude. So that was definitely one of my top zeros for this game. What about you, Chase? Uh, yeah, well, I, I don't know if I want to call it necessarily a zero, but definitely has been a disappointment through first two weeks. It feels weird to say this about a guy, Chango Conquo, who caught all four of his passes, all four of his targets today, but for only 35 yards, he hasn't done much through two games. We were hoping for more out of him, uh, hoping for a breakout type season for him. We have not seen, uh, indications of that yet. And so, yeah, I, I'm disappointed in the start that Chango Conquo has had to the season, but, uh, I wouldn't call it anywhere near on the level of a failure uh, on the AJ Dillon level of failure that Josh Kelly found himself on today. No, that's fair. And yeah. Nikki saying it best. Joshua Kelly was a stink <laughs> factory. Absolutely agree. Nikki. Uh, we got our, my, I do have another zero for this game and it was Deandre Hopkins. So I had ranked as a top 24 wide receiver, five targets, four receptions, only 40 yards on a limited snap count. So you got to take that into consideration. But this is somebody that we have drafted. People drafted to be that wide receiver three, a low-end wide receiver two. He's in people's lineups if he's out there on the yes. field. And it's been a rough couple of weeks so far for DeAndre. What are you doing with him moving forward? Are you holding him? Or are you trying to see if you can package him with something? What, what, do you think better days are ahead, or is he just done? He's. I don't think it's necessarily him. That's done in that offense. It, it may or may not be the guy throwing him the ball all over the yeah. place because we've just talked about two guys who have disappointed. And we could have added a third guy who's disappointed so far through two weeks in Traylon Burks. He did have that nice, real big 70-yard uh, catch today. But otherwise, two catches for six yards. Uh, 
you know, they just, they have not thrown the ball. Well, they've not looked good on the passing side of the offense. Now Derrick Henry is still Derrick Henry all over the place. Tajay Spears looks good in the small amount of run that he's gotten. Um, but Ryan Tannehill right now is, is the limiting factor on this offense, I think. And unfortunately, you know, I don't necessarily see better things ahead if they plug in one of their two young heirs to the, to the throne in Malik Willis or Will Levis. I, Will Levis is dealing with injury right now and is, is kind of iffy as to whether he could even be active right now. But um, I just I don't necessarily know that I see better things ahead for this pass offense. DeAndre Hopkins, however, remains DeAndre Hopkins. He's an alpha dog. He's the alpha dog in that room. He's still talented. He still can win a contested ball. Um, I mean, four out of five targets, 40 yards, that's not a terrible day unless you were hoping for, yeah, unless you're drafting DeAndre Hopkins and hoping for more out of him. Give him twice that many targets? He didn't have that bad a day. But he's got to get that many targets. And right now, it just does not look like this is a passing offense that is going to do that with as long as Ryan Tannehill is at the helm. Yeah, it looks like it's just like a one-side left shade of like Atlanta Falcons. Like not quite that bad, but pretty close to it. All right, let's 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 uh, let's talk about our our heroes. All right, let's get a little pumped up for this one. So now the heroes for my game: Keenan Allen, who I had ranked inside my top twelve, baby, ten targets, eight catches, one hundred eleven yards, two touchdowns, looked absolutely freaking fantastic. His hamstring is no longer a thing. The Aegis Wonder is back. Keenan Allen, you're making me look so good because I have him everywhere, Chase, because of where I was willing to draft him right. compared to everybody else. I got him everywhere. So Chase is one of my heroes. How about you? Nope. I, I and I've I've got his quarterback everywhere. Quite literally, I've got Justin Herbert across the board. It was nice to see him finally, you know, you know to, to see him open up a little bit and, and, and get the run that he got. Um, Mike Williams also looked pretty good, even though he didn't get in the end zone. I mean, he caught eight balls, eight balls on 13 targets for Mike Williams. That's that that belies better things. He's not going to go scoreless every time that happens. So getting 16 points out of Mike Williams on a day he didn't score. Uh, I'm happy with that as well. But yeah, it, uh, it looked like a good passing offense and it, it'll be even better when they get Eckler back and we don't have to watch Josh Kelly, Josh Kelly all over the place anymore. Yeah. Not 100% agree with that. Okay. So let's turn down the music a little bit. So we talk about our observational notes. Here's mine. The Tennessee offensive line is a problem. Derrick Henry went 3.2 yards per carry. He had nowhere to go. They're still trying to feed him the ball. But we talk about Ryan Tannehill. We don't know if Ryan Tannehill's done. There's a lot of things about Tannehill. I'm not liking what I see. But also part of this thing is that there's penetration, whether it's a run play, whether it's a pass play, given being given up by the Tennessee Titans right now. I know the Chargers, they have some talent. But this is now an issue for two weeks in a row. And for you guys who have drafted Derrick Henry, Henry out there, you drafted him to be an RB1. I'm starting to get real of queasy feeling in my stomach that unless it's a pure good matchup that he has in front of him, that we might have to start tempering our expectations because that offensive line might be all-time bad. Oh, yeah. No, the Tennessee offensive line, yeah, that has, it's been an issue. Uh, it is an issue right now. It's going to continue to be an issue. I don't see quick fixes ahead for that. Um and, you know, I mean, they're, they're honestly, they're lucky. They've got Derrick Henry, who is kind of his own offensive line in a lot of, and has to be on a lot of plays, unfortunately, playing on this team. Um, that's why, like I said, I like Tajay Spears as a season long stash, as, as, you know, as a guy who likes to take other dudes handcuffs. I like having Spears on my roster if I don't have Henry, because with that offensive line, if Derrick Henry is going to have to continue to take that kind of pounding, we may have to see Tajay Spears sooner rather than later. And, uh, you know, 
for that matter, we talked about Ryan Tannehill and the struggles that he's had. And it's not get that offense is not going to get better unless that offensive line can show some improvement and show some growth. I'm not holding out hope for that. Um, so yeah, it, it, that it's definitely a worrisome uh, feature there. My other, uh, my other observation note from this game, uh, is on the other side of things with the Los Angeles chargers, uh, nine different dudes saw targets today, eight different guys caught the ball. Uh, and you still got those kinds of games out of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. I know we all like Quentin Johnston, you know, from, from a, from a dynasty standpoint or whatever else, he's not going to be a thing right now. As long as either of those guys is healthy, as long as then you're just not going to see much Quentin Johnston. Uh, Gerald Everett had a nice day, three catches for 47 yards. He still hasn't seen quite the, uh, the tight end usage that I thought we think we thought we were going to see when Kellen Moore calling plays. Uh, but the ball's going to get spread around here. And even with the ball being spread around that much, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are still Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. So uh, if you've got Justin Herbert, that should be a positive thing for you. Just look at his uh, mate in the AFC West, Patrick Mahomes, who never has to have a number one wide receiver and still throws the ball all over the place. Uh, That's, that's my observation there. It's Keenan Allen's and Mike Williams. They are, they are what we drafted them to be. They're going to continue to be what we drafted them to be. And Justin Herbert, is going to find whoever's open, but they're still going to eat. They're still going to get theirs. Yes, still 11 and 12 targets, respectively. 12 targets, Mike Williams, 11 for Keenan Allen. And your point, they still spread the ball to everybody else. Your Quentin Johnson point, too, the big key there is that Josh Palmer is holding on to that wide receiver three job, and that's been the big issue why he's not getting on the field. I think even more so than Keenan or Mike Williams being healthy at the moment. They've already talked about how Josh Palmer, if one of those guys goes down, he bumps out. Of course, Quentin Johnson mm-hmm. will likely be the third receiver. What I'm curious about is as the season wears on, Maybe at some point, Quentin Johnson beats out Josh Palmer, and we see Keenan Allen just assume that slot, and then we have Johnston and Mike Williams on the outside. Right. That's what I'd be curious about, but for right now, that is Josh Palmer. So, yeah, Quentin Johnston, thing, I'm still holding him. If I drafted him, I didn't draft him to use him early in the season. I didn't draft him to play him in September to begin with. Right. Right, so I'm still holding him for that purpose, but yes, it might be it might take an injury for him to actually get on the field with him playing behind Josh Palmer. So let's get into our next heroes and zeros match. Heroes and zeros. That is the Chicago Bears and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The, like I said, this is the game. I was so glad there was red zone. It wanted to be more action than I thought it was going to be. But let's go ahead and talk about those those zeros here to kick things off. My zero for this game was Khalil Herbert. Seven carries, 35 yards, three targets, one reception, 23 yards. But I don't look at Khalil Herbert as somebody who could be a flex play. They did inactivate Donta Foreman and made this a two-man committee between Herbert and Roshan Johnson. Because Roshan Johnson actually gives them something in the passing game and Khalil Herbert really does not. I don't trust Herbert and his rushing Billy alone behind a bad offensive line to be enough for me to want to play him in the flex. I think eventually, sooner rather than later maybe even, Roshan Johnson is going to be taking over as the lead back. So Khalil Herbert is somebody that I'm looking to try to bail on if you still can. I don't know what you're going to get for him. But I think days are going to be limited for Cleo Herbert up ahead. Who's your zero, Chase? All right. Uh, well, Chris Godwin, we have not gotten what you drafted him for out of the first two weeks. Now, again, he did have five catches. They did see eight targets, which matched Mike Evans for the team high there. But 
Uh, Mike Evans has just been so phenomenal these first two weeks. He has shown that he has such a connection with Baker Mayfield. Chris Godwin was the guy that we thought would be, you know, much more of the of the focal point, and then Mike Evans would be the big home run hitter. Well, Mike Evans has not only been the home run hitter; he's been the focal point. He's not batting cleanup; he's batting third in that lineup because he's just he's been so effective. And again, he's got that run of thousand yard seasons. He's still gigantic, so he can still play in the red zone. But he showed he showed it again today he can still take that ball and fly if he has to when he has to pick him up and put him down he can he can create things for you um but chris godwin a guy that we were expecting way more out of who uh and who has shown in the past that he should be a volume type guy uh he's being completely overshadowed right now by mike evans uh i don't necessarily know that i see an answer for that right now unless Chris Godwin somehow forces that ha- to happen. He's going to have to force it to happen with the looks that he gets. And right now, I mean, if you're Baker Mayfield, why wouldn't you be looking Mike Evans' way? He's all world right now. Yeah, he's playing lights out. Looks like Baker's found his favorite target. Chris, Better days are still ahead for Chris Godwin. I'm not panicking on him at all whatsoever. If anything, I take a little bit of a silver lining here that at least Baker Mayfield's showing he's competent enough to make these guys still fantasy relevant. So that, that's what I'm going to take the silver lining out of with Chris Godwin. But yes, for this game, very much a zero in my book. Okay, so let's switch this thing over to our heroes for this matchup. My hero, besides Mike Evans, you mentioned him, uh, was Rashad White. Because this was a big game for Rashad White. He needed to prove that he, if he was going to get this kind of volume, that he could actually make something happen. As somebody we know is not overly explosive, but he could start losing usage if he wasn't going to be able to at least be efficient against the dismal Chicago Bears. And he was. 17 carries, 73 yards, a touchdown, and five targets, five receptions for 30 yards. It's not always going to look pretty. Rashad White, Alexander Madison are similar in a lot of ways. But at least now you know if the matchup is right and Rashad White's getting that volume, he can do something with it. That's what I learned about today. That's why he's one of my heroes for this game. Chase, what do you got? Uh, well, it's tough for me to not say Baker right now, but I'm going to leave Baker on the side. I'll give him the sidekick award for the day. Uh, but DJ Moore, six catches, 104 yards on seven targets, 17.3 yard average here and with a long of 33. That means that all of his catches were going for, for decent yardage today. Um, we wanted this out of him when he signed with Chicago. We were hoping he'd be that kind of receiver. We did not see that last week against the Green Bay Packers, and we did get to see it this week. We saw a glimpse of it. Now, he didn't score, but, I mean, to be honest, the Chicago offense isn't scoring a whole hell of a lot anyway. But if he's going to keep getting you six catches – and 104 yards, he's going to score eventually. Um, I'll take that kind of production out of DJ Moore. Again, you didn't draft him to be your wide receiver one. You drafted him to be a wide receiver two. He got you 16 points today uh, without getting in the end zone. Better days are coming for him as well. He showed that. I think he proved it today that even if Justin Fields is not going to be a top-tier passer, DJ Moore can still get his. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like he's a whole better, lot better off than he was in Carolina, but his talent will rise above, as uh, as Chris likes to say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was just nice to see him be able to bounce back and really get, yes. get things back on track. All right, so let's turn the music down so we can get to our observational notes. And uh, mine is Justin Fields is not progressing as a passer whatsoever. 16 of 29 in this game, 211 yards. 
The Bears are also not running very many plays, which doesn't help anything. either. so slow paced on top of everything else, not not converting third downs, which shortens up their drives. It's just telling me there might be a real limit on this offense altogether, maybe even more so than we thought there was going to be. Because remember, there was the hope that Justin Fields would progress with another top-notch receiver. We like we saw with Josh Allen, like we saw with Jalen Hurts. I'm not getting the vibe that that's actually going to be happening, at least not yet and not anytime soon. So that Justin Fields not progressing as a passer is what I'm going to have to keep my eye on when evaluating the rest of the fantasy football assets on the Chicago Bears. What's your note? No, yeah, big time. I, I don't think right now outside of DJ Moore, I don't want to have to rely on any passing game assets on this team. Um, I agree with you. I like the Rashawn Johnson idea. I think that that's going to have to be a thing sooner rather than later if they're going to have any success at all. Fields is not progressing. Um, but my other note there, you kind of touched on it before from this game. Uh, Baker Mayfield, hey, I've said it before. He played himself in it. Go back and watch what he did after he signed with Los Angeles last season. He played himself into a career, literally, uh, by by proving that he can play in this league. He can process things in this league. Did you hear that story that last last week he figured out the Minnesota Vikings defensive calls? Yeah. He knew what they were doing every time. Listen, that's a special thing. That's a mental thing. And 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 he can he can process this league. He can play in this league. We know he's got the physical tools to do it. Is he going to be a star? No. Is he ever going to be a top 12 like every week fantasy type play? No. But the man can play in the league. He can be one of the top 32 quarterbacks in this league. And the way that he's playing right now, like you said, he is definitely not a detriment to the fantasy value of Mike Evans or Chris Godwin yet. Uh, if, if anything, he has been a boon to Mike Evans from what we've seen because of their connection and the fact that it looks like he's always looking that way. And when you got Mike Evans to look at, why wouldn't you if you're a quarterback? Yep, no, nope, totally agree. Let's go into our next game of Heroes and Zeros. Heroes and Zeros. The Kansas City Chiefs versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, before I even hit the music, my biggest zero is that this game was not a shootout. But let's get into the fantasy of zeros of it all here. Uh, Trevor Lawrence talking about guys who are directly responsible for this game not being shootouts. Was expecting a big performance of him. Had him as a top five quarterback. And boy, was I wrong. 22 of 41, 216 yards. Not a single touchdown in this game. And only 26 yards on the ground. This is supposed to be a Chiefs defense that you're able to take advantage of. And he did not. Maybe partially because he didn't necessarily have to because this game never really not got out of hand all the way. But still, 41 pass attempts against the Kansas City Chiefs. And you don't see me a top 10 performance. That's that's zero for me. What do you got in this game? Uh, I'm going to go back to a guy that I wasn't necessarily counting on anything for this week, but a guy that I had high hopes for coming into the season so far and just has not shown it so far yet. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, he did catch all three of his targets today, but only for 24 yards, had one rush for negative two. Uh, he does not look like they are going to be giving him quite the run they gave him last season for whatever reason. Clyde Edwards-Alaire still exists and still makes his way onto the field occasionally for a couple of snaps every game. Um, but, uh, you know, we we were thinking that we'd come into the year and it would be Isaiah Pacheco being the runner and McKinnon being the pass catcher like like he was last season. Uh, Pacheco last last week out targeted him. This week Pacheco only caught one ball for zero, for no yardage, but he had two. Yeah, he saw two targets. McKinnon saw all of three. 
that's not necessarily a pass catching back and your running back. That's a starting running back who was in for a couple of pass plays. Uh, so Jarek McKinnon, I am concerned with his usage right now. If, if you drafted him thinking you could use him as a flex play, he's nowhere near a flex play right now. He's not even necessarily on a handcuff level because he's, he's not going to be the one they put in second if Pacheco goes down for any length of time. You, you know what he is right now, Chase? Prepare to be flushed. I had to turn down the music for that one, but he's somebody that I don't think he needs to be rostered right now. No, not I'm, right there, I'm right there with you. Uh, I did have one more zero for this game, and that was Calvin Ridley. Eight targets, but only two catches and oh, so close, two yards. It was close, but it also... Yeah, two catches so- that were out the back of the end zone. Two catches where yeah. his feet were on the end line. Otherwise, he had a gigantic day again, or would have had another gigantic day this close, but he didn't get you the, the points. I, I, and, and I hear you on that. And the usage, you're not going to be scared off of him. I'm not worried about him moving mm-hmm. forward, but it just also shows you that when this team decides to actually play through receivers, which I think they will do so more so than not, they just didn't do it that much against the Colts. Christian Kirk still very much a factor on this team. It's a 1A, 1B situation when both of those guys are on the field. And I think Kudos that's to you and Chris saying that too about Christian Kirk. You guys yeah. were still in on him this week. Yeah, no. He proved, he, he proved you're right. He, he justified your faith here how about i just uh how about i go yeah, ahead and just ahead. switch to the, the, the heroes because christian kirk is on my hero list i was five spots ahead of the ecr i had him uh wide receiver 27 he was wide receiver 32 11 14 targets excuse me 11 receptions 110 yards on the day this is why christian kirk is still somebody who could be a wide receiver three and why you don't panic after guys after week one who's your hero in this game uh hero for the game i would I'm tempted to give it to Sky more just because, uh, you know, he came out. He only had three catches on four targets, but they were for 70 yards. He did catch a big touchdown pass there. Um, somebody we've been saying, we are hoping, kind of praying, waiting for someone to ascend to the top of this wide receiver room. Um, maybe maybe today was the day for him. Kadarius Tony had five targets, uh, you know, to lead the wide receiver room anyway. Caught all five of them, but for only 35 yards. Uh, Sky Moore, we know he's got talent. We know that. We saw it last year. We've seen it this year. When, when he's played, we've seen it. It's just, is someone, is he going to take the reins and move to the top of the of the heap here in that Chiefs wide receiver room? If he can, we know there's points plenty to be had there. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I was encouraged by his performance today. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and turn the music down on that one. I'll just elaborate because Sky Moore is actually my observational note for this game and that I am a little bit, uh, I'm a little, I'm still a little scared about Sky Moore right now. It's still not somebody we plug into your lineups because while he had a nice stat line, his usage wasn't all that trustworthy. He was second to Marcus Valdez scaling as far as routes run, but only had the four targets. Even though Kadarius Tony played the fourth most routes on the team today, mm-hmm. he still had five targets in this game. Mm-hmm. And it makes me also think that maybe if Kadarius Tony, because remember, he hasn't practiced much in training camp. If he gets going, do they do a flip flop? Because they did say going into the season initially, they wanted Kadarius Tony to be that guy. And I just, yes. I'd be a little bit curious to see if that happens. So that was my observational note on this one. What was yours? Well, hey, you remember that? You remember that old number? It's the same old song. Remember that? Yeah. It's the same old freaking song with, with the Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver room. Every you get three targets, you get three. It's like the Oprah Winfrey show all over again. Here, everybody gets three or four targets. Nobody gets nine or ten out if unless your name is Travis, uh, and you're playing on the end of the line. So, unfortunately, yeah, I, I don't know that we see anybody all season 
rise to that level. And yeah, I'm not going to run out because Sky Moore had a nice stat line today and, and say, oh, he's it. He's ascended. Because like you said, not only was he behind uh, Kadarius Tony in, in targets, Justin Watson saw five targets today. Again, caught three of them. Uh, hey, Rashi Rice saw a pair. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who people still keep talking about and wanting to make a thing. He's not. Give it up. He saw three targets today. Richie James saw a target. It's just everybody's going to get a handful of targets every week unless and until somebody proves and separates themselves in that room. Uh, your, your best play in that passing game is always going to be Travis Kelsey. And you're always going to be okay with Patrick Mahomes because regardless of how many people catch the ball, he's still going to complete his passes. So. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Matt's coming in here. He was wants to know what his chances are for winning this matchup. He's up 30 points. Uh, I don't. He didn't really specify it was half-point or full-point PPR. Right. Let's just go from the standpoint, let's say this is full-point PPR. He's going against Rashid Shahid, Juwan Johnson, the Browns defense. What are your chances to win? I'd say your chances are 50-50, Matt, actually. This is, this is going to come down to the wire for you because you have guys in Shahid who are playing well right now with a decent match against Carolina. Your whole is maybe they don't need him. Juwan right. Johnson, you got to keep him out. So he's saying it is full point PPR. So yes, as a full point PPR, it's 50-50 in my book. You hope Juwan Johnson stays out of the end zone, but the Browns deal on top of it, they could have a monster day against the Steelers with no Deontay Johnson and then just not looking particularly sharp week one. So I would say it's 50-50, Matt. You're going to hold on for a wild ride coming in uh, on Monday. Chris Thomas. Your, your biggest hope is Michael Thomas and Chris Olave have the big games in the yeah. past and they don't have to throw to Jawan Johnson and Rashid Shahid. Shahid is a big playmaster. He's not going to get 18 catches, so you don't have to worry about it that way. Jawan Johnson, likewise, is probably not going to catch a ton of balls, but if either of them get in the end zone, I think you're up against it there. I like it. Let's get into our next Heroes one. and zeros. Zero, zero. The Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans. Let's talk about our zeros to start this thing off. Damian Pierce. 15 carries, 31 yards, three targets, two receptions, four yards against the Indianapolis Colts, who are not good defensively at all. Damian Pierce is supposed to be a guy who's taking a next step up, supposed to be in an offense, supposed to be suited for running backs, and he was a big-time zero. Me, who hates Damian Pierce. I've been on the bandwagon saying I am not a big Damian Pierce fan. I think he's just a guy actually had to put him inside my top 24 this week and it burned me because I should have just stuck to my gut of knowing I don't think this dude is just that talented as everybody makes him out to be and right now two weeks into this season I feel like I'm kind of on that track what's your zero for this game uh Dalton Schultz a guy I was hoping for more out of even I mean he got a pretty standard tight end line four catches 34 yards didn't score saw seven targets it's not that he's not getting used I thought he would get I, I thought he would be more of a priority in this past game especially with the rookie quarterback CJ Stroud especially with the way that we've seen Dalton Schultz used in the past when he was in Dallas I thought we'd see a little bit more out of him so far through two weeks he has not looked like that guy um so a little bit disappointed there but I agree yeah. with you completely on Damian Pierce. That's that's a quickly becoming a concerning situation. Yeah, and I think you're starting to see Devin Singletary start to play a little bit more too. So we'll have to see that. Let's talk about our our, our heroes though. Let's lighten up a little bit here. 
And my hero for this game has to be Nico Collins, who oddly enough played only the third most snaps on the team at the wide receiver position, but yet had nine targets and seven receptions for 146 yards and a touchdown. I had moved him inside my top 36, a little bit ahead of the ECR just before the kickoff happens, and it paid off in a big way. Nico Collins is somebody who's been playing well and getting good usage moving forward. Who's your hero in this game? Uh, well, I for one, I got a couple of them, but one here real quick, Zach Moss uh, coming out and justifying, as opposed to A.J. Dillon and, and Josh Kelly, Zach Moss came out as that uh, waiver wire ad this week and that last minute start kind of thing and uh, justified that faith in him. 88 yards on 18 carries, average almost five yards a carry, did uh, you know score that touchdown, also caught all four of his targets, albeit for only 19 yards, but proving that he can be that guy in the backfield. Is he Jonathan Taylor? No. Is anybody Jonathan Taylor? No. Eh, not, there's not a whole lot of them in the league, guys. But Zach Moss looked like he could be the guy in the backfield if and when Jonathan Taylor is no longer a thing uh, in Indianapolis. Uh, secondary hero I had, I love what Tank Dell did today. Uh, seven, you know, 10 targets, led the team in targets, seven catches, 72 yards a score. But my honorary hero for the day that I would like to put, uh, you know, put a star on and, and kind of put a spotlight on John Mechie coming back from leukemia, made his NFL debut today, did catch a ball for 17 yards, albeit in a little bit of garbage time there, but uh, good on that kid. Happy for him. Happy to see him be a thing. We know he has talent from what he did at, in Alabama and overcoming not just injury, but now leukemia as well. And finally getting to get on the field in a meaningful game and, uh, and show what he can do. Happy for that kid. And, uh, and listen, dynasty wise, I'm not afraid to have a few shares of him. Just, I mean, he's as good a good a dart throw as anybody else when you're talking about that far down your roster. So good on John Mechie today. Yeah, a big shout out to John Mechie. What, what an incredible story. What an incredible comeback for him. Um, you touched on a couple of my observational notes with your heroes there. Tank Dell needs to be on your radar. He played the second most, had the second most route runs for the Houston Texans today. So without Noah Brown in the lineup, he is very much on the field in 11 personnel, which the Texans are running quite a bit of at the moment. So yes, Tank Dell needs to be on your radar. Start any running back against Houston to go to your <laughs> Zach Moss point. I don't care who it is because Zach Moss Moss is not a good running back, and he looks fantastic today. Start any running back. This is, I thought, maybe be a little bit different with D'Amico Ryan's taking over as the head coach. It looks no different from last year. Defensive mind, and yep, yep. Yeah, not at all. And my last observational note for this one, because I actually did have three, Anthony Richardson is not going to last. Two weeks in a row, he's picked up some sort of injury. I know the chest thing wound up being kind of a non-issue, but then he has a concussion after his second rushing touchdown today. He is running too much, too recklessly. He's not going to last. He keeps doing what he's doing, even how great it is for fantasy purposes. So if you have Richardson, ride that wave and make sure you got a good backup to pivot to because I don't think it's going to last very long. Anthony Richardson, my friend, you are fun to watch. You're fun as hell to watch. You've got a physical profile like we've never seen, literally. Uh, and and that's that's math. That's that's objective reality there. But yeah, dude, get down. Get down. Stop. Ta- you've got to stop taking those hits. Uh, you know, get listen. I know you got his phone number. Give Robert Griffith the third a call. Talk to him about what happens to guys that don't get down and run like that every single snap at the quarterback position. I don't want to see that happen to him. I don't want to see that happen to the Colts after what they've had to go through with, with Andrew Luck's injury and and having to leave and what they've dealt with for the last four years. 
Um, regardless of what you think of Jim Irsay. I don't want to see the Colts have to go through that and their fans go through that. And I don't want to see that for Anthony Richardson. The uh, kid's too young to to not be able to make something out of this opportunity. Get down, my friend. Get down. Yeah. Shout out to Nikki. <laughs> Anthony Richardson is RG4. Yes. Well, well, well said, Nikki. Uh, all right. So let's just let's go ahead. Do you have any other observational notes for this game or not? <laughs> no, I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna agree on that. I think I said my piece on it. Okay, let's go to heroes and zeros. Heroes and zeros. Our next matchup, we got the 49ers and the Rams. So let's talk about our zeros for this game. Mine had to be Brandon Ayuk. Now, I know he got nicked up, and that did hurt his snap count. It's a shoulder injury. We're going to have to watch that. He was able to play throughout the game still, so I think there's a decent chance to still be available against the Giants this week. I still be a top 24 receiver for me if he is. But even though he got a little bit nicked up, it also shows you the 49ers have other weapons. And if it's not going to be Brian Ayuk, it could be Debo Samuel. It could be Chris McCaffrey. It could be George Kittle. So I'm not expecting this to be a consistent thing. But Brian Ayuk kind of burned you when he's coming off a big performance like that, going against a special matchup here against the Los Angeles Rams. You're hoping for more than that. Uh, to stick with that, too, my other zero had to be George Kittle. I had him ranked as a top six tight end, stupidly on my part, I guess. Three targets, three catches, 30 yards. He's just getting asked to block so much right now. And I do think it opens up for him at some point, but right now you may have to look at other options. What do you got for this game? Uh, my zero uh, really didn't have much of an impact on this game at all outside of you know, uh, social media, but Cam Akers is my complete and total zero for the uh, for the Los Angeles Rams and San Francisco 49ers matchup. What the flying flip is going on there? Come on, Cam. What are you what are you doing behind the scenes that's pissing Sean McVay off so badly? Uh, after he looked so good at the end of last season, we, like you've said, you said it a couple times today, deja vu. What the hell is going on when we've seen this two years in a row now where he comes into the year in the doghouse, they kiss and make up, he runs the ball, and now He's on the trade block, supposedly. Cam yeah. Akers, complete zero today. Just like last more week. More ways than one. Week one plays as the backup. Week two, all of a sudden, he's deactivated. They got him on the trade block. He What's wasn't just on? deactivated. Like, this wasn't like a last-second like thing. He was deactivated in the freaking morning before what? the early slate happened. Well, and it got out into the world so that everybody talked about it all, all damn day. Sean McVay came out and said like he, he made that call because he thought it was best for the team. I mean, what is going Ouch. on in that locker room right now? Ouch. I, yeah, I, I don't get it. Because yeah, I don't Rivers think is not all years. that. Yeah, and I don't think it's <laughs> survives two years in a row. There, there's no, no there's no, no. way. Nikki Cunningham he's, he's saying Cam Akers makes the stomach turn. Yeah, 100%. I, it doesn't make any sense. I will get into Kyron Williams. Actually, you know what? I'll just switch this. I'll just switch this from zeros to heroes now. And we'll talk okay. about Kyron Williams because that, that has to be the hero of the day. Look, he didn't just play as a bell cow. He had 74 snaps to Ronnie Rivers' three. He was just like the man the whole way. Now, part of it was probably because they did decide today to make Cam Akers a deactivated guy. And we'll see what happens moving forward. So I, just, I definitely don't think Kyron Williams has the build to stand up to that kind of workload moving forward. But what it did show me is that if Cam Akers is truly off this team now, Kyron Williams, unlike last year where Darrell Henderson wasn't good enough to take over, Kyron Williams is because he had a very nice game here yes. against San Francisco 49ers. Two touchdowns, 14 carries, 52 yards, 10 targets. Remember I talked about last week how the Rams haven't thrown the ball to a running back since Todd Gurley? They finally <laughs> did it, and it worked. Right? And they got the ball out of the hands quickly. Is all, The whole reason they were competitive in this game. 
So yeah, Kyron Williams moving forward might be a top 24 running back for me in my rankings now. Big time. I don't I don't want to steal anybody's thunder on their on their ads on their ad lists, but if he somehow snuck through your waiver wire and he's still there, he is going to be and has to be a priority ad this this week. Uh, if if you were doubting and still holding on to hope for Cam Akers, listen, I've got Cam on a couple of my rosters too. No, he he's going to be the thing there. He is the thing there. I agree with you. I don't think there's any way that Cam Akers lasts the season on that you know in employed by that franchise. Um, I think I honestly I think there's more chance that he is not a Ram than I do think that there's a chance that Taylor Jonathan Taylor is not a Colt. I think there's a better chance Jonathan Taylor remains with the Colts than Cam Akers remaining with the Rams after this. Yeah, one hundred percent here. So I'll just turn this down. We'll go to our observational notes. Uh, my only note really for this is that Puka Nakua is clearly the real deal. Whether Cooper Cup comes back or not, it doesn't matter. Twenty targets, fifteen catches, one hundred forty-seven yards against one of the top defenses in the NFL. Even when Cup comes back, I think he'll just assume the Robert Woods role. He'll be. be, he'll, be. he'll be in this offense. He's clearly too good to be ignored. He is the real deal. So if you got Puka Nakua, I think you can feel really good that regardless of what happens moving forward he's going to be involved in all in your lineups moving forward i think i literally have him on i have i have 21 dynasty teams i think i have him on over half of those rosters i got lucky grabbed him late in a ton of drafts listen before today the all-time record for most receptions for a rookie in his first two games of his career was 19 puka had 15 catches just today and 10 last week he's blown that shit out of the water he is the real, you don't do that unless you have some talent and your team and your quarterback believe in you. The man's the real deal. Now, is he going to be Cooper Cup 2.0? Listen, calm down. He's still a young kid in this league, but he does have ability. And if and when Cooper Cup comes back, I agree with you. Puka Nakua has to still be on that field uh, because he's one of the top weapons that they can have on that team. Yeah, 100%. Do you have any awesome. other notes for this game? No, just right, again, if he somehow snuck through your waiver wire, He's only available in about in less than 30% of leagues, I think, after waivers ran this week. But if he did somehow sneak through, if you're on that 30%, jump on that, throw your money at him because he's a legitimate wide receiver and he's a legitimate weapon in this game. All right, let's continue. There, heroes, heroes and zeros. Talk about the New York Giants and the Arizona Cardinals, and let's start off with our zeros for this matchup. And zero, as in. A wrong call on my part. Marquise Brown, <laughs> 10 I'm targets, six catches, 54 yards, and a touchdown. And I had him as somebody you were not playing. He was he was not ranked in a position where you were flexing him, playing him as a third receiver, anything like that. It was Josh Jobs as a quarterback. I couldn't get behind it, couldn't get behind the usage that they had everybody after week one. And I thought the New York Giants just had a really bad game against Dallas. I didn't realize their defense is really just maybe this bad moving forward. So something to take with you there. But yeah, Marquise Brown, a bad call by me. Apparently he is useful on this team, even with Josh Dobbs as a quarterback in the right matchup. Who's your zero for this one? Uh, Jonathan Gannon, head coach of the, uh, of the Arizona Cardinals. How do you how do you lose this game when you're up that far? Uh, they completely they completely fell apart and, and allowed Daniel Jones and the Giants to get back into this game. One of the biggest comebacks in Giants history. When you're talking about a team that's as old and has as much of a storied history as the New York Giants, you don't want to be on the receiving end of one of their top anything, okay? Because you know it's going to be pretty damn good. Uh, come on, coach the team, 
get this team straightened out and, and play some freaking NFL football. There's no way that shouldn't have been a win for the Arizona Cardinals today. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, shout out to Nikki. That was great. Puka isn't the next Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup was the first Puka Nakua. That's that's fantastic. I love that. All right, let's switch from our zeros to our heroes for this matchup. And my hero has to be James Conner, proving that volume is still king at the running back position with 106 yards and a touchdown in this matchup. He actually looks very good running and carving his way through this Giants defensive line. Stiff arms left and right, very physical, looked actually kind of spry and kind of quick. And James Conner just showing you why he has to be an RB2 in your lineup every single week because of the workload that he gets. Yeah, no, big time. I, I, I like the thing about it. I like about James Conner game script does not exclude him. He's one of the few guys in the league at that running back position that it doesn't matter if they're up and they need a guy to run the ball or if they're down and they need to throw the ball. James Conner does not have to come off the field until, and unless he gets hurt. Uh, James Conner does it all for them and should do it all for them. He's clearly the most talented player in their backfield there. Uh, my hero for the day is my boy, Danny Dimes. I've been a big Danny Jones fan the whole time. Last week did not look good, but listen, did anything really look good in blue last week that against the Dallas Cowboys? No. Uh, Daniel Jones, most of this came after halftime too. 321 yards passing, a couple of scores. Now he did throw a pick, but that's on Saquon Barkley. The pick is, that's his fault uh, today. Jones also comes out and gets you 59 yards rushing in another score. There looks like the guy that I, that I thought he should be when I said he should be drafted as a borderline or bottom end uh, quarterback one showed what he can do uh, again, spread the ball around to a bunch of guys too. He's got it. He's, he has weapons there. They're not a, they're not a real deep room necessarily as much as they are like maybe wide, I guess is what I should say. They've got a bunch of guys that he can throw to. He's throwing it to all of them. And uh, I, today was the kind of game that I was hoping for out of him after halftime. If he puts two halves of that together, holy smack, now we're, now we're taking off on a rocket. But Daniel Jones is, uh, has been my, a personal hero all offseason, and today he, he proved me right on that. So thank you, Dan. Yeah. Like I said, Adam is a top-12 quarterback. Whenever he plays a 20th or worse defense, he has a good fantasy day. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just how it works with him. Uh, my only note in this, we did talk about this earlier, but I'm just going to reiterate it here. Saquon Barkley sprained ankle. Uh, Matt Burrito will likely be the guy that gets most of the work, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a three-man committee between him, Gary Brightwell, Eric Gray. So while these guys might be on my waiver wire rankings, they're not going to be high priorities for me this week, especially against San Francisco 49ers on a quick turnaround matchup in Thursday night. So that that's my one observational note. What was yours? Uh, no, yeah, don't go blowing your fab on anybody behind Saquon Barkley. Uh, obs- one, one other observational I'd like to say, yeah, hey, Isaiah Hodgins, again, looks like he uh, you know is going to be you know a, a favorite target of Daniel Jones out there. No, he's not. He's not anything special as a receiver. But again, you know, he did see five targets today, caught four of them, caught the touchdown there. Um, they are still looking. They they themselves are another team that's still looking for an alpha to step up out of that wide receiver room and prove that he can be the guy. Uh, Darren Waller is is the guy, but he's playing from the tight end position. In terms of their wide receivers, they've got a ton of talent in that room. Somebody needs to step up at some point. Um, I think Hodgins has as good a chance as anybody. Nikki saying Daniel Jones' resting facial expression looks like he was just crying in a bathroom. Uh, Nikki, here's what I'm going to say to you is that uh, Daniel Jones has been practicing as Eli Manning for a very, very long time. So 
Down syndrome is very, very strong in New York when it comes to their quarterbacks. Let's just make no mistake about it. Uh, let's go to our next heroes. And heroes zeros. and zeros. Our next matchup, the Jets and the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, as you can imagine, there are plenty of zeros in this one. But I'm going to stick with the Jets, a backfield. Brees Hall was a big one for me. I had him as a high-end RB3, someone I thought you'd be in your flex. He looked good against Buffalo, but this game just got out of whack. They couldn't move. They couldn't penetrate. They couldn't do anything. And Brees Hall gets four carries for nine yards, still splitting snaps, not just with Dalvin Cook, and that's part of the problem here, but also with Michael Carter. This has become a three-man committee that cannot continue for you to be able to play these guys with any kind of liquid confidence. And that goes with Dalvin Cook, who looked even worse than Brees Hall with seven yards and a fumble to boot on top of it and just looks like he looks done. Like, Brees Hall, we know he's coming back. His, play, his playing yes. count will go up eventually. Like, he's going to be fine as the season wears on. But Dalvin Cook looks done to me. Whether it's disinterested or toast or the shoulders back, whatever the case may be, I am. I can't drop him yet, but I don't want to play him. Yeah, right. He's he's a complete roster clog right now. How long will it be? How many times are we going to have to see this? How many weeks are we going to have to see this out of Dalvin Cook before we finally get Israel Bonaconda uh, active on game day is one of the things that I want to see. Yeah, 100%. Who's your Come zeros? On, uh, Michael Gallup, we hardly knew you, dude. You were going to be a thing. And then Brandon Cooks came and, and stole everybody's thunder as the, as the wide receiver two there. Then why, and then he went and got hurt and opened up the wide receiver two position this week. And you went out and did all of uh, two targets, one reception for three yards. Michael Gallup is, uh, is nothing anymore in, in fantasy football for me. I'm not worried about him at all. Yeah, 100%. Jalen Tolbert looked better than him coming in and playing for Brandon Cooks. Which is good because he's younger. Yep, yeah. I agree. And I All have right. him on some fantasy rosters. So yeah. do I. I like to come out of college. All right, let's switch from our zeros and let's go into our heroes. So our hero has to be Tony Pollard. We all questioned, could he be the bell cow guy and actually handle that kind of workload? And boy, did he do it today. 25 carries, 72 yards, eight targets, seven receptions, 37 yards. Doesn't get in the end zone. But And maybe it's not the hugest of stat lines, but I was just impressed in a tough matchup with the workload that he got. He looked like he's the real deal and ready to be the bell cow guy for them. And maybe I was wrong about him not being able to do that. No, definitely, definitely. Tony Pollard. Yeah, he's he's a guy and he's he's perfectly uh, capable of it. My my hero is, uh, you know, again, didn't have a didn't have a shoot out the light stat uh, line. But Garrett Wilson says Zach Wilson be damned and terrible offense be damned and good defense be damned. And yeah, I'm only going to catch two balls, but God dang it. I'm going to take him 83 yards and, and a score. He's going to get you wide. He says, I'm going to be a wide receiver to come hell or high water at least. And uh, in the rare occasion that they do get competent uh, quarterback play out of Zach Wilson or, you know, hey, you know, sunshine's on a dog's ass. They say uh, Garrett Wilson is going to get points. He's going to still be able to pull points out this week, this year. I told you to buy the dip on him. I told you not to panic and, and dump him. Uh, and I, I still believe that he's just too damn talented to, uh, to be held down like that. Yeah. Well, I'm going to turn this down. Cause that's part of my observational note. My, my other hero, by the way, CD lamb had a big day, 13 targets, 11 catches, 143 yards. So shout out to CD lamb. Uh, but I don't, I want to talk about the Garrett Wilson of it all because when I look at Garrett Wilson right now, I just I see this performance as abandoned ship. He got the big play. You yep. you'll live with the eight targets that he was able to get. Uh, at the end of the game, he got a little nicked up. Robert Sala said he just got the wind knocked out of him. So I guess it's not a serious injury or anything like that. But no, he's fine. Zach Wilson looked 
terrible. Just, just absolutely god awful. And this is where I, I know it was Dallas. Maybe he'll look better, but against Buffalo, against Dallas, he just looks like the same old Zach Wilson, which is going to be a limiting factor, I believe, on Garrett Wilson throughout the season. Use this performance, the fact that he had the big play, the nice fantasy stat line. Use this to try to get something similar in compensation for where you drafted Matt, probably most likely in the second round. I know he's part of a first, second round turn for me in a lot of leagues. Try to use that while you can, because I just don't like what I'm seeing out of Zach Wilson. Unless the Jets smell the roses and actually go after someone, whether it's Jacoby Brissett or whatever, that can just right the ship and hold the fort down. I just don't like what this could mean for Garrett Wilson week in and week out, who has one of the toughest wide receiver schedules of anybody in the league this year. And that's the other problem here for me. So that's one of my observational notes. What about you? No, 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 no. That's that's definitely, you know, hey, if if you can get, yeah, if you can get commensurate value out of him, if you can get second a second round type player out of him after this, I'd say, yeah, go ahead and jump on that. But Zach, you know, Zach Wilson, hey, he's only slightly above, he's 55-ish percent for his career in terms of his, his completion percentage, uh, which is better than two out of eight. So, I, I mean, I, I don't think that's always going to, did he look good? No but he was playing against freaking Dallas. Nobody's look good. Nobody looks good against the Dallas defense right now. Um, I'm not necessarily, if you can get somebody to give you second round return on Garrett Wilson, then I'd say, yeah, I'd, I'd say, yeah, go ahead, jump on that. Go with something you feel more comfortable about, but Garrett Wilson is just too damn good to be held down week in and week out. There are, he has a tough wide receiver schedule, but he's not going to be facing the damn Dallas Cowboys defense every week. I'm still willing to hang on to, to Garrett and, and trust in his in his talent to rise above and still get you that wide receiver two value that that we kind of figured he would give you when he came into the year. We were hoping for more with Aaron Rodgers. We don't have Aaron Rodgers, but I think you've still got a starter on your hands. Yeah, no, I can't disagree with that. Uh, Nikki's saying, I don't feel like the, the, the dynasty value is there for Tony Pollard, 26 years old. Well, well, Nikki, the dynasty value for Tony Pollard is the people who've had him the past couple of years waiting for this year's this opportunity. Year. Yes. Uh, so, that, yes, if you're going into a dynasty startup now, um, he's still going to be you know one of the top guys of dynasty league with a 26-year-old who doesn't have a big work share, by the way, because he's been splitting uh, – volume with Ezekiel Elliott for so long. But yeah, I can see your point there. Let's go to our uh, last final matchup of Heroes and Heroes Zeros. And zeros. Zero, thank you, Washington Commanders and Denver Broncos. Let's talk about our zeros for this game. My zero has to be Jahan Dotson. Five targets, three catches, 22 yards. I had him ranked ahead of Terry McLaurin, thinking Patrick Tan. He's going to probably follow McLaurin around a little bit, and he did do just that. And looking at Jacoby Myers, what he did in the secondary there, what he did in the slot, especially expecting Jahan Dotson to have that role, and it just flat out didn't pan out for him at that rate. Who's your zero for this game? And, you know, yeah, that, that was really disappointing because I was all in on Jahan. And I said on the buff on the Belly of Fantasy Live show this morning that, you know, hey, I've got plane tickets behind Denver. I'm just going to follow them all over the country and target the wide receiver two that they're playing against because their wide receiver one is going to have to deal with, you know, Mr. Sertan all season. Uh, we saw it last week. Jacoby Myers had a great game when, when he was shadowing Adams. But yeah, Dotson really didn't come out and have uh, anywhere near the day that I was hoping he would have, even though it was a not a bad day for the for the Washington offense and the Washington passing offense. Uh, my zero on the day, Samaje Pirine, a guy that we were kind of all thinking was going to be the one B to Javante Williams one A. 
Um, and this will tie in, like like you said, to, you, to one of your observational notes here. But, yeah, Savani P. Ryan, one carry today for four yards. Uh, and in the past game, he did catch three of his four uh, balls, but only for 20 yards. Definitely not the usage we thought we were going to get out of him uh, if you drafted him thinking that you were going to have the early season starter kind of thing and that Williams would be worked into things. Uh, that notion has been dispelled over the first two weeks. And uh, you are a hurting unit right now if you spend any kind of capital on Samaj P. Ryan whatsoever. Well, it's interesting because he played three more snaps than Javante Williams. It was not like he wasn't on the and field. did nothing. He did nothing and wasn't getting the touches. I think better days are ahead for Samaj P. Ryan. I still think he's somebody you're flexing because I don't think they're ready to turn the ball over to Javante Williams altogether. I don't think you can either. And I've said this before about Javante Williams. He has never been, all yeah. the way back to college, he has never been a bell cow back. He is still going to have to share with someone it's just that it doesn't necessarily look like Samaje is going to have as much of a role as we thought he would, uh, especially early in the season here. Yeah, and I think Javante is going to continue to get stronger as the season progresses as well. So that's going to play a part into this. Let's switch from our zeros to our heroes. My hero for this matchup was Brian Robinson. 18 carries, 87 yards, two touchdowns, three targets, two catches, 42 Yards And this kind of ties into one of my observational notes as well. So I'll get to that in just a second. Who is your hero for this matchup? Uh, Marvin Mims. And it, it pisses me off because he should have had a lot more usage than he got today. Uh, two targets, two catches, 113 yards on two damned catches, 113 yards with a long of 60. That means the other one went for 53, folks. Think about that. Think about that. Scored a touchdown there. Oh, by the way, he had a 45-yard punt return as well. Marvin Mims has the goods. They just have to effing use him. And I know Jerry Judy came back today and, and, and was, you know, on the field apparently, but if you've I mean, Marvin Mims showed today, he has got the goods to be the real deal, to be a weapon in this league. You have to be willing to use him. Why he wasn't used. Maybe we'll find something else out later, but two catches for 113 yards and a score at a 45 yard punt return from the rookie after a dismal showing last week. I'm, I'm very happy with what I saw to Marvin Mims, and uh, he's he's pulling me back off the ledge that I was on with him last week. Yeah, my hope is that this performance will get him the usage that he really needs, but we put him as a dump player last week. I'm standing by it. I'm not going to look to pick up Marvin Mims this week. He's hit, he played the fifth most snaps of the wide receivers in Denver. So he was still way down there as far as playing time goes. So I'm not, I'm not looking to add Marvin Mims just yet. I'm just going to hold nope. that this performance propels him further. Uh, one of my observational notes, though, to get picked back to the Brian Robinson of it all, is that even though this was a high-scoring game score, back and forth, a lot of passes thrown, he was still heavily involved in the offense all the way throughout. And this was not an easy matchup either, and he was actually pretty efficient in this one. It does appear to me now that there is a clear-cut gap between yeah. him and Antonio Gibson to the point where Gibson, to me, is nothing more than a handcuff because I thought he had more of a role in the pass game. It did not pan out that way. How many offenses have we talked about tonight where we came into the season thinking there was going to be a running back and a pass-catching back, and that's been completely flipped on its head? They yeah. both had three targets today. Antonio Gibson ran the ball twice. Right. I mean, there is a clear gap between Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. And Antonio Gibson is not necessarily any worse of a running back and a worse of a player than he was last season and in the years prior when we saw him be effective and an effective fantasy weapon and real life weapon. But Brian Robinson has just taken the bull by the horns in this backfield and shown that he can be a part of all of it and doesn't have to come off the field when, you know, when it's a passing down. 
and it is definitely not going to be that kind of split where, you know, Antonio Gibson is definitely going to have to be the guy if they're in two minute mode. Brian Robinson's a weapon. He's a, he's a clear cut weapon for that backfield. And I think they need to continue to use him as such, but it's just, it's one more case of where we thought we were going to see clear roles in a backfield. And that narrative has been flipped completely on its head and no one saw that coming. No, no, I, I totally agree. What, what was your note for this game? No, right there, right there. That, yeah, just Brian Robinson. Good for that dude. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> right. I'm with you. But what I'm the hell? You. I mean, yeah, Antonio Gibson. I had him. I, I was taking Antonio Gibson much more in best ball than I was in in redraft leagues. But he, I don't. He's not looking like he's going to give me a whole hell of a lot on that side of things either. So, um. Out, yeah, out, and outside of that, hey, we had uh, one more instance of you know a receiver being crushed when he shouldn't have been uh, yeah. by the Denver defense there and leaving the game with a concussion. Or you know that's got to that's got to come to a damn stop in a hurry. They've got to yeah. get some things under control there in Denver because that is uh, it's, th- it's, there's no place for that in the game. It's stupid football. It's stupid it football. It, yeah, uh, it, it's it, it's not just unsafe football it's stupid football for what it's going to end up costing your team yeah 100 all right so that does it for our show just got a quick update the dolphins did just win against the patriots jalen waddle did get knocked out with a concussion so we're gonna have to watch how that goes uh we will be back chase and i along with chris dahoward adam larue wednesday night at 9 30 p.m make sure you subscribe to our youtube channel and hit the bell notification so you know when we go live or you can catch us on our podcast app whenever you're on the go by downloading the md's fantasy football show anywhere you listen to podcasts guys we had a real fun time we're going to see you in a couple of days good luck with the rest of your matchups 